Peggy, read this note from Steve. It was waiting on my pillow when I came home from work. Dear Marcy. Dear Marcy, my sweet patootie. <laughs> the geek is leaving me. He says he's going to Yosemite to be a park ranger. <laughs> he's rejected materialism and all the evils brought about by the quest for money. Oh, and he's suing me for alimony. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. It's the Married with Children podcast. We are in Vegas, and whatever happens here stays here. My name is Al, and I'm a tiger after I've been popped. My name is Jamie. I hate men, but if you get me drunk, I'm yours. All right. <laughs> and kids get a change of clothes and a baseball bat because we're going to Vegas. Nice. Yes, we are, guys. We are reviewing the big two-parter. Once again, another two-parter. you got to know when to hold them. Part one, this is. We've decided that we're not going to do the two-parters as one episode anymore. I originally wanted to do that so that it would take a little less than five years to get through everything, but it's just too hard to get a new show out every week, so why take a week away from yourself if you recorded two different episodes, right? Right. So, (laughs) this is Season 4, Episode 16, original air date, February 11th, 1990, that saves you some typing, director Jerry Cohen, writers, look at this name. S-J-O-U-X. Now, I'm sure there's a very simple way to say this. There's nothing simple about that. (laughs) Uh, His last name is Donham and Ron Levitt. Those are the two guys who wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get over her divorce from Steve, Marcy tags along with Peg on a wild Las Vegas vacation. So here it is, guys. Jerry's worst day is finally here. Married with children is Steve free. You know, Marcy says that she got a letter from Steve. Let's start from the beginning, then we'll get there. So, Peg's looking all cool on the couch. Today on Becky, men, scum or slime. (laughs) Today on Lorraine, men, couldn't you just puke? (laughs) Today on Sharon, men, upright dogs with paychecks. That's what I hate about this time of year. Nothing on but reruns. Uh, what's funny about that to me is that, you know, she keeps, like, changing this the channel in disgust. So, you know, it, it's almost as if she say, you, you know, you think she's going to say, God, you know what? That's all anyone's ever talking about her. Or, or, you know, what's yeah. with all the men hating stuff? And But instead, she's like, ah, oh, nothing but reruns. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she saw all this already and watched it. This is the first episode where people get applause when they come on screen. Yes. So that's pretty interesting. Now, you could tell that uh, it's a little awkward, like the the audience and the actor – clash a couple times and this is one of them so al comes in and 
Peg says, hi, honey. Oh, hi, honey. <laughs> Ow. What is it, Peg? Couch sores? <laughs> no, it's TV thumb. <laughs> but I'm a housewife. Goes with the territory. Uh, this, you could tell, it's already, like, kind of throwing everything off. Um, but that, that stops, and it gets it becomes okay. So, how was your day? Peg, it was the worst That's day. That's nice, dear. <laughs> I want a vacation. I need to do something different. No problem. Next week when you're watching TV, try watching with your mouth closed. <laughs> I'm serious, Al. They always give you a vacation. Remember last April? That was my hernia operation, Peg. <laughs> and then what about Christmas Day? You remember? You didn't have to go in until 2. Yeah, what a day. Between stepping over your eggnog body and thawing out my underwear you so thoughtfully left on the clothesline outside, <laughs> I did have about five seconds of fun. It was watching all those stars when I stepped on the shovel Bud left buried in the snow. <laughs> that whenever I want something, all you can talk about is yourself. It's always my back, my hernia, my roids. <laughs> Don't you see the rut our lives have become? I need a vacation. Al pulls out a Rodney Dangerfield joke. Peg, if you want to visit someplace new, try the kitchen. <laughs> An oldie but a goodie. It always seems to work. <laughs> yeah, well, it killed with the live audience. Uh, okay, so, yeah, this is where Marcy enters to awkward clapping because she had a line to say uh, before people started clapping. Right. But it, it was like another awkward star. I'll play a clip. God, I hate men. <laughs> That those are the two who popped out to me. Like the two first claps are are, are very this clash with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> I thought you were man's best friend. <laughs> oh, that's a dog, not a chicken. Sorry, Marcy. Oh, shut up, you ham hock. <laughs> People do have like chickens as pets, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. My grandmother did. You know, sit in her lap, and she loved him. Wow, a chicken could be man's best friend, say. Eh? Yeah, I'm surprised though, because chickens are vicious. Yeah, they can be. That um, her rooster used to chase me around the yard all the time. <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird that people refer to someone as chicken if they're like a coward or whatever? Right. And it's like, have you seen these things? No. <laughs> yeah, They'll come right after you. Wait, Jamie, a rooster used to chase you around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go get the whenever I was visiting her, I'd have to go get the eggs in the morning and the <laughs> I was always freaked out cuz the damn rooster would chase me all over the yard and the shit hurts if he gets a hold of you. <laughs> Peggy, read this note from Steve. It was waiting on my pillow when I came home from work. Dear Marcy. Dear Marcy, my sweet patootie. <laughs> the geek is leaving me. Oh, he doesn't mean that. He loves you. I guess you're right. He probably meant to say that when he wrote this. Frankly, I'm sick of you. You disgust me. I had a full head of hair when I met you. And I'm sure my nose grew during our marriage. 
He says he's going to Yosemite to be a park ranger. <laughs> he's rejected materialism and all the evils brought about by the quest for money. What do you think about Steve writing a note as a way to break up compared to sitting down face-to-face with your wife and telling her that you're leaving? I just think in terms of storytelling, it would have been better to see it. Like, they could have come up with so many storylines to have them break up and and make make an episode out of it, right? So the fact that they did that... um, it's it's slightly bothersome, but it just like I said before, it just brings up more questions. Like I wonder why they did that, and I'm sure they do have their reasons for it. But uh, yeah, it just brings up more questions, and I'm surprised they didn't do it the other way. Like that's a perfect opportunity, you know, to have them completely be at odds and and break up and 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 have the whole alimony thing come into play. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's suing her because she makes the money, and Al just gets the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> He loves yeah. it. Yeah, I like how he laughs instantly about it. Yeah, if you're not going to give Steve a big parting episode, I mean, it's like, well, uh, I guess a note will do. Um, but I don't know. I also want to say this, though, that if they didn't bring him back and, and played into that note when he came back and stuff like that, I think it would have it, it would have lost something. But they do reference it here. He does come back. Uh, we know he comes back. So um, I think that makes up for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that is one, you know, that's that's the silver lining, I guess, that Steve comes back. Uh, so it's not the very last time we'll ever see him again. But at this moment, live audiences are like, well, so we'll never see him again. Huh? Right. He's leaving to be a park ranger in Yosemite National Park. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I read it wrong. Yosemite. <laughs> so he had some kind of epiphany that. So do you think that that's trying to say that like you think Marcy kind of made him into a money machine and he lost something within himself and he just wants to go back to who he really is and Al kept bringing all these other things out of him that I guess were who he really is. So do you think that? The whole money thing and all this nonsense that comes with it, the Mercedes, the houses, the expensive stuff. He's just tired of the whole thing and just wants to – he thinks there's a a deeper meaning in life than just material things. I guess, but I don't really – I never really felt like she did that to him because he seemed like he was – that's just the way he was. I mean they seem to be a perfect match and have the same ideals in the beginning. So I think it's more like a midlife crisis kind of thing. Right. And I also think that it plays into what happened a couple episodes when he just didn't want a job. Like, so maybe he felt like um, caged in, you know, like I'm in this marriage and and I got this job and and now he can do kind of whatever he wants and, you know, throw turtles in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, he gets a taste of freedom and then, yeah, that's why you got to keep him on a leash when you can't. Can't let him get that taste of sweet freedom because <laughs> you won't be able to get him back. Keep them conditioned, I'm telling you. Now be strong, Mars. You don't need a man. I mean, what are they good for? They sit there like a lump. They pick, they burp, they let one fly. <laughs> and then 
they smile like they just won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and then once a month, they roll over on you on their way to the bathroom, and they call that loving. <laughs> not that you're not the best, baby. <laughs> you should feel lucky Steve left you. This is the dawn of a new age for you, Mars. Now, Peg has already moved on uh, with this whole thing. She's like, you know, in terms of she doesn't seem like she'll miss him or anything. She's already doing the what are men good for speech. Uh, you should feel lucky, you know. God, Peg, I mean, she she could care less. Al doesn't seem to be bothered that his buddy is gone. Right. I mean, I don't know. I guess this just isn't the kind of show where they would even explore that, you know? Well, because, you know, you know how they are. If it doesn't really affect them, then they don't care, you know? And the dad, I mean, Al was on his way to jail, and they were like, bye, daddy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. even within their own family, they're, you know, doesn't matter. So why would they care if Steve left? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, right? So the best... This has to be the best. I mean, this whole episode's kind of packed, but one of the best sequences has to be when Marcy's sitting there and reevaluating, you know, her what she has to offer men or whatever, and how she can move on from this. She's like, "You know, Peggy, you're right. I can do better than Steve. I have my health. All right. <laughs> I have my youth. Right. I've got my looks." <laughs> thank god i have you for a support group and they just even peg's reaction <laughs> like how could peg do that to a fellow ch- <laughs> who's down on her luck like jamie if you really believed that but you had a girlfriend and she did not look good but you believed uh that she didn't look good and she says that wouldn't you at least fake it and be like uh yeah you know, I mean, you could do a little makeover, but yeah, definitely. It depends. You would actually react like Peg right in front of depends her? That's not how much I like her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean. Wow. Jamie Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. I, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be that cow to anyone, even if I didn't like him. I just wouldn't, you know. Right. I, I mean, why? I just go, yeah, you know. Sure you do. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's like, do you have to be that honest with me right now? Can't right. you see? I don't, um, I don't need honesty right now. I need, right. <laughs> I need support. And that's what it was. It was all timing. Like, wow, kick her while she's down, huh? Like, I could do without your honesty for five seconds. <laughs> just, just make me feel better. Um, <clears throat> she leaves all cocky and says, "Just one less egg to fry," which is actually a, a, a line from a song. One less bell to answer. Um, The second line is one less egg to fry. And if you listen close to the lyrics of the first verse, it basically spells out Marcy's entire reaction to this. And I mean within the next minute or two of the actual show.
so she leaves all cocky, and it's all a front because as soon as I think as soon as the door closes, the doorbell rings. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Al's reaction, like what? Who's this? Or what? What is this? And then he opens it, and she runs up to him and h- hugs Al of all people. I know, and you know what? I've actually thought that was a very sweet moment, even though. In the next second, he's like, "Peel her off me, will you?" I because right. he actually does like pat her, and so, I mean, and he's, he's like, "There, there." Yeah, I mean, it's he could have been you know pushed her away in disgust, but he didn't. And, and I also think that um, okay, so Marcy's a little different. I think I, I believe that if she did leave, I mean, I don't know if they'd necessarily show it, but I believe the Bundys would miss her more than they miss Steve, even though Al and Steve were buddies and stuff like that. Um, they've both had connections with Marcy, you know, uh, even, even that time, uh, you know, Marcy. Oh, in the bar. Yeah, yeah, that too, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> there's. And, uh, the Labor Day moment when they were eating Aunt Tooney. Right. There's a bunch. Yeah. So I feel like they would have been much more upset if, if Marcy had left as opposed to Steve. Peg would definitely have a reaction. It wouldn't be just to, she wouldn't just say to Steve, oh, for, forget her. You're, it's good that she's gone. Oh, by the way, the, the whole episode, you got to know when to hold them. Since I mentioned the, the song, the other one, that's a song by Kenny Rogers. So that's... Uh, the Gambler. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, obviously going to Vegas, it's, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. You got to know when to run. Yeah. Never count your money when you're sitting at the table. It, clearly, Peg never heard the song, <laughs> but we'll get there too. Now, did you guys gamble at all? Yeah, yeah. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. I'm done now. That's <laughs> yeah. the end, that's the end of the course. But um, <laughs> uh, I do not gamble, and it's um because I I do not. Yeah. Boy, my grandmother did though. She's this. She was this. Um, she'd go to Vegas all the time. She'd go to Biloxi free rooms to come down and gamble because right. I knew she'd come down and lose all her money. Yeah, that's a so big she'd, thing. Yeah. She'd get like a three-day stay. She'd drive down to Biloxi. She'd lose all her money <laughs> in like an hour. And then she'd get like pissed off and she'd come back. And I'd say, well, why didn't you at least stay? Just she's like, what am I going to do there? I don't have like, why do I want to? And she'd get really mad about it. And then when she wasn't gambling she would be at home watching like poker on tv right and this woman's like 88 <laughs> oh wow. wow nice but she um she was she was a mess <laughs> so i never did and i think that's probably why is because yep. she did so much that i was like no she did it for you right. yeah she kind of scared me off of it yeah it could go wrong for a lot of people it's probably best uh you don't gamble unless you just want to play a lot of uh, the lottery or something. That's pretty safe. Right. Yeah. The furthest I go is getting a scratch ticket like every now and then. Like that's, <laughs> that's as yeah. much. Like I'll get every year at Christmas, I put right. scratch offs in stockings and yep. stuff and, yep. you know, stuff like random stuff like that. That's as, that's as close as I come. Right. When I hear what's horrible, what I used to do when I was younger. Oh God. This is like the lowest thing ever. I should never admit this, but I haven't done it in over 10 years. So I think it's okay. I used to go and buy scratch-offs for people for gifts and stuff for their birthdays or for Christmas and stuff. But before I would leave the store, I'd walk over to the thing and scan it to make sure it's not a winner. 
What? Like, if you won, obviously they don't just look at it and say, oh, yeah, you won. They, they just scan it. You yeah, know? of course. So, yeah. yeah. So you walked in knowing they were losers and you were like, well, Merry <laughs> I was like, Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, man, if you hit a million, just uh, don't, don't forget about me. And then meanwhile, so yeah, so, so don't ask me like about if I won, did I just go back and get the money and then get them another loser? Because then I'll really feel bad about admitting that. I would have done that. Yeah, I had to do that. That was the point, so. Uh, <laughs> listen, I was a kid. You and said I, 10 I, years ago. Yeah, 28. Was that a kid? Or is that way too old to be doing that? I don't want to be alone. I'm afraid and weak and helpless. There, 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 there. Now, peel her off me, will you? Now, Marcy, it's going to be all right. You can just stay here with us. I won't be in the way? Oh, of course not. And you're good people. And good friends. <laughs> Marcy, you're more like family. Al, brush the fleas off Buck's blanket. We have a guest. Why would Marcy sleeping in the Bundy's house help her in any way, shape, or form? Like, okay, I can understand hanging out there most of the day if if you're off work or whatever, but sleeping there? Well, she's used to having someone with her all night and not being alone, and... You know, now that way... Yeah, but she's going to sleep on the couch downstairs. Why would that well, be? Well, there are other people in the house. Sometimes it just helps knowing there are other people around. Yeah. Really? I yeah. thought it was funny that she didn't have a reaction at all to the whole shake the fleas off the blanket thing. I mean, she didn't even... Right. You know, nothing. Not, I actually watched her face to see if there was going to be a reaction. No. Nope. <laughs> and I was surprised that they actually let her sleep in the house and didn't make her sleep in the garage. <laughs> yeah, there are leaves out there, right, for heat? Yeah, there's even holes in the wall for ventilation. Exactly. She could breathe. She could be warm. It's She got it all made. I don't know what she's doing in that house, mm-hmm. in the couch. But uh, So uh, Kelly looks so hot reading Garfield comics. Well, her butt's moving, so. Yeah, that's hot, man. And we all know the greatest Garfield uh, thing ever is Garfield's Halloween adventure. <laughs> I forgot you love that. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Is it lasagna? Lasagna. Oh, did you eat my lasagna? <laughs> yeah, I like how she's laughing at that. Meanwhile, you don't eat. What are you laughing at? You, who knows what lasagna is? She's so dumb. <laughs> right? Like, what could she be laughing at? I don't. It's the weirdest thing. How could you laugh at something when you're not even saying it right and no one else on earth has ever said anything about lasagna? Oh, did you eat my leftovers? And then she laughs at that. I'm like, that's not funny. What are you? (laughs) She's very, and even something else that she says later, I I don't even understand this. Oh, big news in the neighborhood. Mr. Rhodes dropped Mrs. Rhodes like an old shoe. No kidding? Yep. He left her to go be a ranger in that park. You know, the one where Yogi Bear lives? Jellystone National Park? No, the other one. Yosemite. And I can understand that because when I was a kid, and if somebody said Yosemite National, like, I guess I, I might have thought that's where Yogi was. Yosemite does sound familiar, and then you just blend the two because you never hear about national parks, and you just 
kind of think of that. So Jellystone, I can almost understand. Then she says, um, no, not Jellystone, Yozamite. So what's odd about that is if you're pronouncing it in an unfamiliar way, then how could you have heard Yozamite before and even confuse that with Jellystone? Yeah, maybe <laughs> did she – is it possible that she read the note and saw – so didn't know how to pronounce Yosemite. So she read it and said Yosemite and then saw a park ranger and thought, oh, Yogi Bear. I don't know. I mean uh, I that's the only thing – the only thing I can think of is that she – the only way that would work is if she read it because if she heard someone say it, then she'd know how to pronounce it. How could you think Yoza? It's just like two weird examples of Kelly's mispronouncings, which is – they're both good mispronunciations, but it doesn't make sense that she'd laugh at Lasagne because who knows what that is and what's funny about it if you don't know what it is. And how could you think Yoza might is where Yogi is? Nobody ever said Yoza might in the, ever right. in life. Right. <laughs> Maybe Socrates told her that. <laughs> yeah. Man, how do you leave a babe like that? You know, bud, this could be your big chance. <laughs> um, Kelly is like just salivating over this opportunity here to prank Bud, and she convinces Bud to go. Uh, to go after Marcy um, and make advances. What do you mean? Well, Mrs. Rhodes is staying with us tonight. She's manless. And you must have seen how she looks at you. Well, sure. <laughs> how? But don't be a cow pie your whole life. She's hot for you. She's reaching her sexual peak. You're reaching your sexual peak. Sad as that may be. I mean, this could be your big chance. And what woman wouldn't want a virgin? Yeah. I'll, I'll lie to her about that part. I think somebody's lying because last week... Right. Uh, he, the chick made a woman out of him, a woman out of him. <laughs> she made a man out of him. <laughs> wow. Is she a surgeon? At the, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the music video auditions. So, Right. And at this point, Bud is uh, 16 years old, and he did, right, his shirt was on backwards. Yep. Yeah, that's weird, though, right? Like, we just had an episode where he might have lost his virginity. Then he says that. Yeah, I don't, I guess maybe they didn't go all the way. Yeah, the only thing, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. The only thing of, like, he's embellishing, maybe. Like, he was so overwhelmed with what happened that he just said that, you know? Um, All right, maybe. maybe. I mean, hmm. I guess. I think it's a stretch, too. I'm just, I'm just trying it. <laughs> yeah. When do you think I should make my move? You'll know when the time is right. Oh, man. I'm going to get me an old woman. <laughs> What an idiot. Oh, Dee, did you eat my lasagne? <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Rhodes. I guess you heard the news. Oh, you mean about how Mr. Rhodes used and left you like you were the hand wipe in the men's room at the bus station? <laughs> yes. That news. Strawhead. <laughs> so Marcy walks in with a blanket and a pillow and Kelly decides to 
totally kick her when she's down, when she says, I guess you heard what happened. <laughs> Thanks, Kel. <laughs> Mrs. Rhodes, let me help you out. See, you're a nerd girl. <laughs> and nerd girls get dumped. It's as inevitable as death in Texas. Because <laughs> the actual saying is, it's as inevitable as death and taxes. The only two sure things in life are death and taxes. Right. And, or in her case, death in Texas. <laughs> That's actually cool. That's a good, clever writing in a way. Because it's Kelly being dumb and it's still Yeah, sort of I mean, it's, it's, very, it's a very Kelly thing to say. Right. <laughs> so what you've got to do is get yourself a new guy. Oh, no more men for me. The next man that as much lays a finger on me, I'll slap him silly. <laughs> Excuse me. What are you going to do if a man touches you? Slap them silly. <laughs> She's primed and ready. Go. <laughs> Bud is in this button-down shirt, a tie, slacks. Uh, he looks like Michael Jackson in Smooth Criminal, or at least one of the guys in the background. <laughs> <laughs> he comes down the stairs, and <clears throat> Marcy says, oh, you look nice. And he says, yeah, so do I. And I've used that line literally my entire life. <laughs> and, like, my wife never really knew why I was saying that. Like, all the time she goes, oh, you look nice, babe. And I go, yeah, so do I. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I don't even know how she reacts to this. I'll start focusing more. And I'm going to start saying it to more people, but I have to get people to say I look nice first. That's the hard part. <laughs> Dan, how do you feel about Bud's approach? Do you think that uh, he's already doing all right? Cuckoo, cachoo, Mrs. Robinson, the dressing up, the acting like who he is. Do you think that was a good approach to get in Marcy? No. <laughs> what would you What would you have done? We just came downstairs in shorts and a t-shirt. And... Well, first of all, it's kind of a role reversal. I mean, we've seen this before, but um, having Bud kind of be the dumb one and Kelly be pulling the strings was just kind of like, okay, like that can happen, but usually it's Bud setting Kelly up, you know? So right. right out of the gate, it's like, well, what are you doing, bud? Like, you know better, you know? Like, he's he does all right for himself, even though technically he's a virgin. Um, he does all right for himself. So it, the whole thing was kind of, like, odd and, and felt like uh, more of a setup than... Well, it's an interesting dynamic, right? The role reversals, though. Exactly, yeah. So in terms of his, like, approach... I mean, we all knew that <laughs> we all knew that he was doomed from the beginning. So we were just watching it play out. But the fact that he would be so dumb as to play into that was kind of odd. And like, okay, well, wow, really, Kelly's really pulling the strings here. So I thought that was kind of odd. Well, don't forget, Bud's being led around by his penis. I mean, right. he's obviously not thinking clearly, and you know, so he's already, you know. If that was true, if he was being led by his penis, then why would he go up to Marcy? Yeah, his penis would say, no, don't, turn around. <laughs> Shrivel up. It, it would turn into an acorn. <laughs> It'd be like, no, I'm staying here, thanks. <laughs> it would turn into a Bosco turtle head. <laughs> yeah, it would go back in. <laughs> so that's why he's more susceptible to Kelly's, uh, you know, puppeteering. Right. Marcy starts pouring her heart out to Bud 
while Bud undoes his shirt. <laughs> and and uh, Bud forcefully climbs on top of her while Kelly watches in amusement. Then we hear her slap him silly, just like she said. Yep. And then you cut to him laid out behind the couch, and all you see is his feet on top of the couch twitching. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think of that part? Not even my favorite leg twitch in these two episodes. <laughs> There's more than one in these two episodes. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know what the other one is. No, yeah. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but would you have been uh, charmed by... Canoodled. Taken in by this whole uh, thing that Bud's no. doing here. No. No. Okay. Those approaches, don't, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, that it works or didn't hear, but the only time an approach like that would work is on TV. Right. <laughs> Innocent. Because, I mean, if a guy comes, I, even when I was young, when guys try to do that whole smooth thing or, or you know, they do they do that thing where they look at you and they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying yeah. to look sexy, it just comes off comical. I mean, right. I've laughed at more than one guy for doing that. <laughs> And it that wasn't been... intentional. Like, I wasn't trying to hurt their feelings, but, you know. Oh, it, I know. But that look, I was just like, ah. Oh, I, I've been a victim of your unintentional laughter. Don't worry. <laughs> I know. And intentional as well. Yeah, yeah. and the intentional. And yeah. every time you try an approach like that, it never works. Like, if you think <laughs> that's a good idea, like, because I've been there, too. I've done it in my. Yeah, I think I've done that one. Yeah, yeah I did it as a kid. Like ten years ago, Alex. But uh, <laughs> no, but you, you try these things and it never works. You're always gonna get laughed at. Like you're better. Okay, you're better off just being yourself. And most people just see that and then they're like, oh, okay, like this, you know, no, no threat here. <laughs> like this is obviously a dork. You're better off with that approach as opposed to like the Fonzie method, you know. Yeah, I tried to do the James Dean thing one time. You know, I acted all nutty. Let that go. Uh, people just look at you like something's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They they don't run over uh, <laughs> in the middle of a. Alex takes the jukebox. Yeah. So her fists were saying no, no, but there was yes, yes in her eyes. Did you guys catch that? I I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh no! Wait, Kelly was lying. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and Bud believes it still. Go figure. I don't know. Peg comes down right on cue. <laughs> Thank God she missed that whole ordeal. Right. With a blue velvet pillow. Looks really nice. And uh, <laughs> uh, she t- Marcy takes it. She's rubbing it. She has her cheek on it. Hi, Marcy. Listen, I want you to be comfortable, so I brought you this pillow. Oh. It's nice and soft. Oh, yeah. It has to be. Al uses it to sit on when his roids flare up. <laughs> Number one, she would have been better off with, like, a defleed blanket that Buck sleeps on. So she actually got the worst of the two. Marcy throws the pillow over the table in horrified disgust. And Peg acts oblivious that this would be a prank to give someone. It's like giving someone a toothbrush that you just, like ran through the toilet water in a toilet bowl. She, It's like she has no idea that somebody wouldn't want a pillow that Al 
pulls his pants down and sits on bare ass while his hemorrhoids are flaring up. <laughs> How does Pegna know that? She didn't actually say bare ass. Well, why else would you sit on a soft pillow if it's if you can't feel it anyway because your pants are on? Well, you can still feel the softness or the or the hardness of whatever you're sitting on. But why would it have to be like a velvet pillow or whatever? Well, it wouldn't. But I, I mean, maybe he sits on a bare ass, but I wasn't picturing that. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> you are now. I guess I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to picture Sam Kennison on the toilet again too? <laughs> I can make it happen. That's why I love this show. In any other circumstances, we could never be having this conversation. Well, most people sit on those, like... Uh, the donut. Like, yeah, the donuts. Right. Al sits on a soft velvet pillow when his roids flare up. <laughs> so should we ask if uh, any of us have hemorrhoids? Do you think anybody <laughs> wants to know that or no? I don't think anyone wants to know that. Okay. How you doing? Peggy, I feel so alone, so miserable. How am I going to make it? What am I going to do? Be happy. Forget that your husband left you. Pretend he died. (laughs) You can't tell me you've never fantasized about that. Come on, Marcy. We all have. (laughs) See? Now, Jamie, tell the truth. Do all women fantasize that their husbands uh, are dead at one point or another? I thought you were going to say, tell the truth. Do all women fantasize about hemorrhoids? <laughs> oh, are we still talking about this? <laughs> I really want to move on. I have never fantasized. <laughs> you were the one pushing that conversation. Um, <laughs> I have never fantasized about about Brian being dead. No, I... No, I I will have scare. I get scared sometimes. Like if I like if I roll over in the morning and like I have you might crush him and suffocate him or something. <laughs> what? No, I have to. I have to make sure he's breathing. I have to like if oh. I roll over, I have to make sure he's breathing, and then I'll like I'll be okay. But like I get freaked out, you know. Like it's a I don't know. It's just one of the. I'm just like that. Like I'm paranoid. So do you put your finger under his nose? <laughs> No. <laughs> I um She scratches her butt and does it. But no. And it, if he wakes up, that means he's alive. Yes, because we live in sleepaway camp. <laughs> <laughs> I'll often put shaving cream on his palm too. <laughs> it tickle his nose with a feather. <laughs> I put his hand in warm water. <laughs> See if he himself. Oh, look, he's peeing. He must be alive. Now, what you've got to do is start thinking about yourself. Be selfish. I know. Take us on a vacation. <laughs> That'll show that damn Al. I, I mean, Steve. Just like she was harping on at the beginning of the episode, she wants a vacation. So she sees another opportunity to convince someone else to take her and them on a vacation. Um, So Steve wants his stereo shipped to him. Marcy earlier said, you know, something about cutting the crotches out of his pants, dragging his ties through dog crap. Like, I don't understand why Steve, as soon as Marcy left for work one day, didn't run through the house 
and just get everything of his packed and be gone. And expect Marcy to actually send that to him? Like, what are you, after you left her like that? Like, bro. Yeah, that would imply that she's supposed to now go and pack up his clothes. Like, do moving for him. Not only am I leaving you and suing you, but you gotta pack for me and then ship my stuff to me. Why would she do that? And what would make him think that will happen safely and securely? Is he that stupid? I mean, he kind of is, but yeah. She doesn't owe him. Why would she have to do that? Right. There's no obligation, even legally. No. A cop would say, you have to let him in the house to get his stuff. That's all that would happen. Right. I I don't understand what he's thinking. Vacation? God, I wish I could. But where would I get the money? Gee, that's a tough one when you don't have kids to steal from. (laughs) I know. Sell something of Steve's. He took everything, except his stereo, and he wants me to crate it and ship it to him. I guess you can't be a real park ranger without the theme from Brigadoon blasting on your stereo. It's It is really bad. Like, why would anybody want that blasting out of their stereo? I guess Steve had the soundtrack record or something. And and it's there's two Brigadoons, one from 1954 or the 1966 TV movie. Yeah, he'd be better off singing Born Free. Yeah. Which actually would kind of fit. Right. Telling you. I tell you what. Would it make you feel better if I sold something of Al's and came with you? Well, Peggy, would you? Hey, Peg, come pop this thing under my arm. (laughs) Well, let's go first thing in the morning. Al's a tiger after he's been popped. (laughs) So, does Peg get a sex point because... She seems like she's going to go pop it. She oh, goes, you know. God, stop saying that. <laughs> oh, dude, right? Uh, yeah, this is a gross episode. so huh? disgusting. But should we give Peg a sex point? She seems like she's going to do this. So does that mean she's going to get it? I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely safe to assume. Yep. <clears throat> yeah? Okay. I don't understand why if it's under his arm, he can't do it himself. It's, a to- it's totally accessible. <laughs> I don't know, Kel. I did everything you said. I goosed her. I blew on her ear. I even made that sexy sound with my armpit. Yeah, Marcy's 20 years older than Bud. And Bud's a minor. So it is kind of funny that they'd even be willing to do this, Joe, and and go here. Well, guys all the time, not guys, girls too, all the time have crushes on people who are too old for them or whatever. I don't think that's weird. No, I I don't... I don't care, but yeah, it's just it's just funny that you know today. Who knows what? Oh, yeah, well, you today say is, or do today is 
a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just got worse, you know, guys. It's always a weird thing, though. Like, <clears throat> when you reach that age where, um, you know, like, say the person that you're dating is a little older than you. Like, let's say not even 10 years, maybe like eight or so, right? But at the same time, like, um, you're kind of closer to their kids' age than you are there. That's weird. <laughs> like, that's where life gets like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. And you start thinking whoa, about stuff. Whoa, whoa, You know? Yeah. Yeah. You think she's frigid? <laughs> we asked about when Bud says to Kelly, are you still frigid in that fantasy in the It's a Bundy Full Life? And we, we said that that sounds like some kind of sickness. So I wanted to know what that meant. And it means... Unable or unwilling to be sexually aroused and responsive. So, unable or unwilling. So, I guess it's not a medical condition unless it's the unable side of things. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just not interested. It's just a state of mind, I guess, right, sometimes. So, Kelly gives more bad advice. You know, but it's time to step things up. You've got to show her that you're for real. Do something that screams romance. Buy a single rose, hold it in between your teeth, and wait for her in her bed. <laughs> I know. Wear your Ghostbusters jammies. <laughs> but don't tuck them in. And then when she can't believe her lucky eyes, wink and tell her, this bud's for you. Oh, man. I, I cannot believe he's... I can't believe he's into he's he's not this stupid. I cannot believe he's right. even entertaining <laughs> this whole thing. I mean, maybe the first time because he had his hopes up and he was you know raging hormones and all. But after she slaps you once, he's not stupid enough to fall for that again. Stupid enough to think that wearing his Ghostbusters PJs would help. <laughs> <laughs> you just dressed up like a smooth criminal, and now you're gonna wear Ghostbusters PJs. After you already realize you have to lie about your virginity, like why would he think being he's going the complete opposite? So first you try to act all suave and sophisticated, then you're gonna act like you're twelve. <laughs> like I don't understand this thinking, but I'll tell you what though, David Faustino really does he does sell this whole thing. Like when I look at him and see him interact with Kelly, I believe that he really does believe everything she's saying oh i do too it just seems kind of out of character oh it is because he's always so smart right it's complete role reversal and by the way guys i did have uh ghostbusters pjs and ghostbusters sheets yeah really i never got into the ghostbusters neither did i but i mean i was a kid i thought they looked cool and slimer was on it and whatever yeah, I never had anything about Ghostbusters, and I, ne- I never liked any of the movies ever. I love the movies, but yeah, even part two. Yeah, I loved I loved part two. I saw that in the theater, and I still cry every time the Statue of Liberty is walking down the street to uh, to Jackie Wilson. I wow. every yeah. time it gets me every time. That painting still creeps me out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought I thought part two is very funny and and totally underrated. Wow. That's just me. I even like the Bobby Brown song. So, <laughs> I, I think I love all the imagery and stuff of part one and like just the way the guys look, the way the the monsters, the ghosts look and everything about it. the imagery is really perfect. But I don't know, something about whatever is happening just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know what's wrong. I've, 
I've tried watching it like four times probably, and I just don't get it. No, I, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are, Alex. I It should appeal to somebody like you and I because, you know, it's comedy and obviously it's got that... 80s and... Right. It's sort of horror. But it never really hit me hard. Like, I liked it later on um, just watching Bill Murray do his thing, you know, because I'm a huge yeah. Murray fan. And I love Bill Murray too, right. which makes no sense. I don't like it, yeah. <laughs> And Rick Moranis, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Al puts his feet up on the table, and the moment that we talked about once has happened, uh, you see 555 shoe on the bottom of Al's shoe. Oh, man, I forgot to look. I missed that, too. Oh, yep. man. If you look close, you can see where they took that the thing off that they had on his shoe during that uh, commercial he shot with that chick. Wow. So, and that was weird because we said that in a prior episode, uh, he had a hole in his shoe and the other one was like all worn out. So that's how we determined that Ed O'Neill must have like a a couple pairs of Al shoes or whatever that he... Well, he is a shoe salesman. Women's shoe salesman though. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And I guess he wouldn't want to walk around with a hole in his shoe as an actor the whole time. And that's only used for comedy when he's going to put his feet up. But but they didn't do it here. You would think any time that we see the bottom of his shoes, he'd he'd put on the whole one. But no, mm. he he went with the, the good ones. Yeah. So uh, Al goes to turn on the TV and doesn't realize <laughs> it's not even there. <laughs> like, now, can you guys picture sitting in your living room or wherever? You, I have a man cave. That's where I watch TV. And sitting there and looking up at the wall or wherever it is and not realizing this. I feel like you guys will appreciate this, too. You know what I really thought of when that moment happened? Homer Simpson. Like, that's a Simpsons joke right there. And then them cut to, you know, the TV not being there. Like, that's a Simpsons joke, man. I don't know. I just got Uh, Homer Simpson vibes for that. And again, Ed O'Neill sells it, though. Like, he makes it seem legit that he wouldn't notice. And Peg's pretty dumb. If you're going to pawn a TV, you might want to bring the remote control with you. I wondered that, too. Like, well, she could have probably gotten more money had she taken the remote. Right, like now that whoever buys it has to get up and change the channel. God, how Stone Age. (laughs) You know, Al uh, almost invented a TV remote control, you know. It is still a good idea, yeah. You know what's weird is today if you lose the remote, you're screwed. You can't even get up and change the channel on the TV. It happens every time we go to watch an episode for this because I have a separate remote to, you know, just to change from the, you know. Oh, yeah. I have a soundbar remote, I have a TV remote, I have a cable box remote, a Blu-ray remote. (laughs) Yep. And I'm not the kind of person who puts them on one universal controller. I just can't do that. Okay, well, like the uh, the soundbar remote is hooked up, is is tied into the TV remote, except for if you want to change the setting on the soundbar. Like if you want to go to Bluetooth or um, some other mode that's not through the TV. Um, cause like if you want to cast your, uh, phone or whatever through the soundbar, right. which we do all the time to listen to podcasts and stuff or even music. But anyway, if you have to use the soundbar remote for that, currently our soundbar remote doesn't have any batteries and uh, because they died and we didn't have any AAA batteries. So, right. um, we got a bunch of double A, but no AAA. So yesterday when we went to listen to the new ghost album, through the sound bar, Brian actually had to get up 
and figure out how to change the mode on the soundbar itself. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, <laughs> but at least you can do it because if we didn't, like if I were to lose the TV remote, there's nothing I can do about it. It's right. I, I'm done. Like I can't do anything. There are no, you know, back in the day you used to have dials or, or even buttons or right. whatever. Nope. Not anymore. Nothing. There's not even a power button on the TV anymore. I think you just got to drag your hand along the bottom right of it. What, what kind of Back to the Future 2 stuff is that? Really? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy, man. Yeah, it, and what if your TV is too highly mounted and stuff? It's like, well, good yeah, luck putting I mean, changing the it, channels there. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with this remote control? <laughs> well, Dad, I'm no electrician, but I'd say the trouble is the TV's gone. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Dad, so is Mom. Wait a second, let's not gloss over this TV thing. <laughs> where the hell is it? There's an awesome segue where it's just like you it cuts to inside a casino and Peg going, Las Vegas! They pull away from her. And it's like a great shot that just like it exposes the whole place. And it does seem like some big thing. Like it has – it's just a great shot and it really pulls off the Vegas vibe like something big is going on, you know. And it's a – so obviously I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they didn't shoot this in Vegas. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm I'm going to say that they built this whole thing. I would imagine. Yeah, so what do you guys think of it then? Yeah, I think it looks pretty. It actually kind of reminds me of the casino that they went to in Friends when they were when Friends went to Vegas. The layout kind of reminds me of that because it has that whole step down thing, right? And yeah. then the the people walking around, by, you know, through the, through the doorway, through the archway behind them. Yeah, they got it all right, I think, in a way. Yeah, um, you know what's funny is I don't typically like episodes of sitcoms. Where they go places. Like, in the 80s, every sitcom at some point went to Hawaii. Right. <laughs> or in, in the 70s and the 80s, rather, 70s into the 80s. Because um, Brady Bunch went to Hawaii. Mama's family went to Hawaii. Every, I mean, they, uh, Facts of Life went, no, they went to France. But Is that where Fonzie jumped the shark in Hawaii? Or No, that was California, because oh, yeah. Richie was trying to get into a movie or something, right? <laughs> I yeah. I hate those vacation episodes. I hate them, hate them, hate them. Just, I will skip them. <laughs> Same way with Christmas episodes. I don't like wow. Christmas episodes of TV shows. Because it's always sappy and boring. But oh, oh, with oh. this one, like with this show, the, the Christmas episode was funny. And with this show, the you know vacation episode in Vegas was funny. But that's one thing about this show is they, they kind of supersede all of that. All of the bland, boring tropes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has a great vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, just, I love the lighting to it, the design of everything that they use, because it's very late 80s, 90s and stuff. So that was cool. Um, I like the casting choices for the people they put, like, more in the foreground, mm -hmm. especially those the guys with the toupees and stuff. Like, yeah, it was all pretty good um I, even in the part two i like that lounge that they were at or that i think they have it here but the one where um you know where al shows up it, it if anything it gets a little 
chintzy looking like by the time we're wrestling but um <laughs> but for now like the the whole vegas thing is really is really good the lights the money the men i'm as giddy as a widow <laughs> well let's just check in after a nice bubble bath and a good night's sleep we'll start bright and early i hear they've got a really neat dam not far from here oh it's gonna be so much peggy come on baby mama needs a new pair of men why would you leave your luggage in the middle of the of just sitting there in vague i mean what is wrong with you why would you do that i won i won just 75 cents from one quarter how does this place stay in business like making the biggest deal out of this and three quarters fall out of the machine. <laughs> so they're really only up 50 cents, which is not really almost a dollar, but well, uh, that would be a dollar today, Jamie. That I was, I was actually going to say that in today's money, she'd be up a dollar. Yeah, she is. So she's right. She just knew that we'd be reviewing it now. That's all. Messing with quarters for the real money's over there. Come on, Marcy, let's go. Oh, maybe we should take it slow. Not when we're on a streak. We just got here and we're almost up a buck. <laughs> we're hot. Come on, grab the bags. Excuse me. Excuse me. Make way. Make way. <laughs> Excuse me. Make way. Make way. <laughs> oh, don't you recognize a lady when you see one? <laughs> Throws a cigarette into the guy's drink. Who does that? <laughs> well, no one anymore. You can't smoke inside anywhere. Oh no, you can. There are there are smoking sections of casinos, believe it or not. Oh really? And oh, I don't go to casinos, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. God. Would they have a toupee sale here? <laughs> and they turn around. It looks like they have their toupees on backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I wish her joke had been better. Um, when she said, you know, what do they have a two pay a two pay sale here? I just to me, that wasn't all that inventive or interesting. Right. Or, or, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's very straight to the point. But I just, I wish it had been something funnier. I think they like uh, the give and take was, well, the line's not going to be amazing, but the fact that she's saying it right to someone's face, yeah, and the is going to be insane. In that next moment, he's going to turn around and walk away. Right. You're going to see how it, it looks. Then maybe. Yeah. I mean, because you do end up still getting a laugh out of that scene. I just think it right. could have been better. Like the look on his face, too. Like he's appalled that she said it. And yet he looks so ridiculous. Walking <laughs> the two of them. Why are there two guys with each other who both have two pays on? Like what? Like their friends like, hey, come on, let's go get our two pays on, man. Head to Vegas. Pick up some chicks. Because <laughs> they like, knew they were going to be the butt of a joke on a Married with Children episode. Oh, see, everyone is just, they're, everyone's aware. That's the weird thing about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Marcy. I hate men. But if you get me drunk, I'm yours. <laughs> New shooter coming out. Okay, give me room. Give me room. <laughs> oh, not you. You stay close. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> What some of you may not know, depending on what version you've seen of this, much like the uh, Sam Kennison Christmas special, there is an entire scene 
that you don't see until Mill Creek released that DVD set of Married with Children where they put in all the episodes uncut. Mm. After um, Peg is like messing with the dice and the guy goes, lady, roll them or buy them. Everything that happens after that is bonus. I'll buy you when I'm done here. <laughs> then we'll take you upstairs and use you. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll throw you away and hurt your feelings like mine were hurt. Then I'll laugh. We'll see who the real park ranger is. <laughs> you may roll now. Thank you. Now, after, in, in the cut that I've been watching my whole life, and then in, in the cut, in the DVDs before the Mill Creek ones, right after he says, lady, roll them or buy them, all you hear Peg say is, um, thank you, and then rolls them. So all that stuff in between was cut out. I wonder why. Well, just time, you know. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't think it was anything too racy, especially for this show. No, it's just like the Marcy when she comes up to Al in the beginning of the Sam Kennison episode. For sure. And you don't see that. You know? Right, yeah. And they do that a lot in sitcoms where they'll they'll do jokes and just cut them for time. It happens in movies all the time, you know. It happens on bigger levels in movies too where, you know, They'll have full scenes that are just cut for time that, that take, like, months to film. And change the whole plot sometimes. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. So, Peg rolls two sevens in a row. She's like, grease up the men and shoot the women, because I'm uh, something. <laughs> but grease up the men and shoot the women, because I'm a rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are we going to do now? We lost all our money in eight minutes. <laughs> we lost our plane tickets home, and we can't even afford a room. Yeah, but we had fun, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. See, that'd be me, dude, if I went to Vegas. <laughs> That's why I don't gamble, because I know myself, and I'd just be done eight minutes flat. Uh, that's unbelievable. Like, they are horrible at this. Um, uh, Peg sees a sign that says they'll take your credit cards, too. Isn't that so nice of them? Oh, they'll even take your credit cards. Thanks for the convenience, guys. So you'll take everything we have. Thank you. Hello, Sergeant. This is Al Bundy again. Listen, I'm really starting to get worried now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's getting hard for me to talk. Let me calm down. The description? Okay. 19-inch diagonal. And uh, notches where the kids grew. Now, who saws notches into a side of a television set? <laughs> no, that was weird. I didn't... Really? It just it just, it just, just shows, though, how much the Bundys probably loved that TV, you know? It was like part of their family. Ours were... Mine was in the kitchen the kitchen doorway. Uh, mine, too, believe it or not. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what extent, because I don't remember looking at that all the time, but I do know. I think they wrote it in a real thin pen or something like that. I don't have one. I get shorter every year. It's a very sensitive subject. Thanks for bringing that up, guys. Oh, no problem. <laughs> He's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> I... Yeah. Dad, what about mom? Oh, yeah, my wife's missing, too. <laughs> what? A description? I don't know. Listen. You guys are awful busy. Why don't you find the TV first, and then we'll worry about the wife. Yeah. Right, listen, let me know if you hear anything. Huh? Right, goodbye. Now, I'm glad that Al is 
kind of doing that because now she gets the same treatment that he got. Right. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. Save your dough. For a limited time, Domino's Pizza has a New Year's deal. Two pizzas each with one topping for only $10.95. You can't get this deal just anywhere, so why go anywhere? Call Domino's Pizza on the double. We'll be there in 30 minutes or less, hot and fresh. Two pizzas for $10.95. Call Domino's Pizza. Nobody delivers better. Offer may vary. The pizza delivery guy wants $12 in 1990. That is insane. There's no way you're going to tell me a pizza was $24. By me, it was $8 for a pizza in New Jersey at that time. Because I remember I used to go, I used to order from this place, Pizza Villa, that was like down the road. It was the greatest pizza I ever had in my life in Elizabeth. It was $8 all during those years. And so 12 here. It'd probably normally be like $5 though, right, Alex? Because three of those dollars probably goes right to the mafia in Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they're paying 12 so I don't know where the money's going. Now, this is the most bizarre setup ever. Bundy's credit card was pre-rejected, apparently. He didn't even give it to the kid yet. Normally, you give the credit card over the phone, so you wouldn't ever give it to the kid at the door. He would just bring you a paper you sign. So it was weird that Al did that to begin with. Then... The guy goes, it's rejected, and he goes, he doesn't have that kind of cash. He goes, listen, I sideswiped a hearse to get you this pizza in 22 minutes, which is uh, something that's gone today. By law, they they would not let pizza places guarantee you any times for delivery Mm -hmm. because there was this whole epidemic of car accidents and tickets being written up for people going through red lights or just doing whatever they had to do because that delivery guy would um he'd have to like pay his boss or whatever you know if this says 20 minutes of your pizza's free that comes out of that kid's salary so there was this whole thing going on where they they shut that down really fast whenever once they started guaranteeing you pizza in a certain yeah, amount of time yeah i mean domino's domino's was the the big one that mainstreamed that idea yeah are you guys gonna make me say it what never pay full price for late pizza (laughs) (laughs) wise man always said that was a whole thing in the movie they they argued about it well that was 1990 there you go correct so it was happening yep yeah the ninja turtles uh domino's yeah it was domino's too right domino's yep and the greatest looking pizza ever put on screen yeah, even though it was sideways down a sewer grate, uh, it still looked great. <laughs> Did you ever uh, hold a pizza riding on the back of a Harley with a guy wearing only chains and black leather? <laughs> Look, Bundy, I held up my part of the deal. I sideswiped a hearse to get you this pizza in 22 minutes. I fork over the 12 bucks. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> The guy takes the pizza out of the kid's mouth. Now, this pizza delivery boy is uh, Michael Stoynov. I think that's how you say it. Now, Jamie, you'll remember him. He was the guy on 90210 who had AIDS and dies. He was like Kelly's friend. Remember, she was volunteering in a hospice. Yeah. <laughs> that's that yeah, guy. Yeah, that was when Kelly went through her whole uh, goody two-shoes, holier-than-thou phase that irritated me so much. 
and then she got blood on her hands. I preferred Kelly when she was all shallow and... And doing coke with Colin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you guys were talking about 90210. I thought you were talking about R. Kelly. I'm like, wait, Kelly had a what? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to be clear about that. No, you were. I just, I'm just... This guy also was in The Dark Knight, Dopey Clown. So he's probably one of the guys who robbed the bank in the yes. beginning. Yeah, he was in the opening scene of The Dark Knight, and he's also in one of my favorite shows, Prison Break. I definitely recognize this guy. He's He's been around for sure. He's always got good roles, too. Yeah. Yep. Al calls the pizza place, and this just gets even more bizarre. Hello, Al Bundy here. Yes, no tip Bundy. <laughs> now look, it seems you people made a little mistake. Now, I ordered a pizza, and it seems my credit card was... What? No, I did not charge $5,000 in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I see. And just exactly where did my wife spend this alleged five grand? <laughs> Thank you very much. Somehow, a pizza place knows his credit card activity. <laughs> it knows that he spent $5,000 on his credit card in the last 10 minutes. They even know where the money was spent. Yeah, that that is silly. <laughs> now, is he? Does he call the pizza place or does he call his credit card company? No, I focused this time. Okay. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, that makes sense. So, if if his card wasn't approved, wouldn't they call him and tell him that? Why would they bring the pizza out and then go? Oh, by the way, your <laughs> your card was rejected. I guess in the hopes that he might have cash on him? Yeah, well, that's why you call him and say, look, your card was rejected. You got to pay cash. Right. So be ready. Instead, they know every intricate detail about his private credit card use. Right. And and don't call him instead. Maybe they just got so tired of getting burned by him. <laughs> oh, plot devices. Right? Like, yeah, think about – think of the logistics. Even if they – word of somehow figure any of this out they'd have to call his credit card company and why would his credit card company give a random stranger who works at a pizza place any information on al's card or where the money was spent what time the money was spent anything yeah. wouldn't it have made more sense for him to call the credit card company rather than right. make a, non a nonsensical phone call to the pizza place i mean <laughs> so have the pizza guy tell and i mean from a writing standpoint have the pizza guy tell him Hey, look, your credit card was rejected, you know, and do all that. And then have him, you know, what, what? Get on the phone with the credit card company. Right. And then they could tell him all that stuff. Cut out the phone call to the pizza, except the only thing you miss there is the no tip Bundy joke. But, right. yeah, you know. Wow. Nice. Nice breakdown. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. But then we get followed by the greatest line of the episode. Kids, well, I'll let you do it, Dan. Go ahead. Kids get a change of clothes and a baseball bat. Because we're going to Vegas. <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. 
you can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. All right, guys, I just want to take this time out to thank our new patrons of the show. If you guys heard uh, the Rock and Roll Girl review from last week, you would know that we had a big Patreon exclusive. We did a big send-off to Steve Rhodes. We gave him the goodbye that he never got on the actual show. Um, so that was an exclusive. Our Patreon is like it's patreon.com slash Podcast. Just go there or type that in in the search. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. It's just a way to support the show and you get bonus content for a very small $5 a month. That's just uh, a really nice way to say thank you for the regular, highly produced weekly shows. So we have some new patrons of the show because they wanted to check out that Steve episode and hopefully they stick around. Uh, we do appreciate it either way. Russell Haddix, Andrew Gilmore, and I think I forgot to give a shout out to Katrina Dunn. So sorry about that. Uh, thank you. We really appreciate it. You guys are the best. And we hope you like the special Steve Rhodes Spotlight show we get. It was about a two-hour show. Jerry Herring was a guest on it, so you do not want to miss it. Everybody loves Jerry. And he's going to be on future episodes of the Married Children podcast. Guaranteed. So how many velvet hemorrhoid pillows are we stroking for this episode, Jamie? Well, this was more like a. It had. It was funny. It had a lot of funny moments, but it felt like a setup episode, putting everything in place for the episode that was going to come next. It, it's kind of weird because it wasn't completely self-contained. So, yeah, we normally don't do. Maybe we shouldn't rate it then, because we didn't rate um, the first ep- half of um, the Christmas Bunny for Life either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's unfair to do that. So, and we always used to. Uh, review two parters together so we actually have never done that because it it is unfair to the first half i mean why take a hit because you're a setup you know yeah all right um okay so dan i guess we you won't have to talk about a hemorrhoid pillow so i can't say i gave this episode three and a half hemorrhoids because peg popped one of them (laughs) she didn't pop his hemorrhoids (laughs) oh god now we're mixing all the gross stuff together (laughs) i'm sorry i digress all right, guys, so we'll be back next week to review You Gotta Know When to Hold Them Part 2. When Peg and Marcy lose their blouses in Vegas, Al steps in the ring with a female wrestler to win back their fortunes to find a way home. <laughs>